We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Barcelona Podcast, we the hottest freaking stories from the Camp No. I'm Dan Hilton, joined alongside Frances Tomas, and we've got a big La Grande Pagunta today with a big name headlining the question, and that is Antoine Griezmann. For those who are just joining us for the first time, we ask you please, with your iPhone, subscribe via iTunes, if it's an Android, Google Play, and on Spotify on either device. You can find us on Stitcher, across all the different podcasting platforms. Please review Rate us, subscribe, five stars is great, and also on social media, you can interact with us at Twitter on the Barcelona Pod, or at HiltonD13, and on Instagram at the Barcelona Pod. Well, Francis, I already told the listeners who La Gran Pregunta is about, but exactly what is La Gran Pregunta today? Well, it's whether we need him. Is that Barcelona really need Griezmann? I mean, it would be a huge investment, it's around... 100 million euros, that's what the rumor price seems to be, and it's whether we actually need him. So that's what the Gran Pregunta is. And then we're going to close the program. Um, Eugenia Caroli is going to join us from Barcelona. Um, we're going to review the Las Palmas game. The Barcelona Podcast 66 starts right here. And we start fast and we start hard. Again, there's nothing for us to completely confirm, and as our policy is on the Barcelona Podcast, No deal is done until the paperwork is signed and the deal is officially done. So even though it seems like yesterday Antoine Griezmann wrapped up, the deal was finished, the terms were agreed upon between the clubs, etc., etc., we don't believe it until it actually happens, until he's presented as a Barcelona player. That said, we can take this whole Legrand Pregunta and hypothesize exactly what Antoine Griezmann would bring to Barcelona. And we've had shows about this in the past, but we're going to take an even deeper dive into what this is. And first, I want to start by saying that if Griezmann came to the Camp No, figuring out where on the field and how he would fit would be a pretty good problem to have with just how talented he is, of course. And while the big question would be about worrying about the development of Dembele, truthfully, the decline of Suarez and Messi directly correlates with the rise of Dembele. And I I know I'm not just pushing Dembele off to the side for this. I'm saying that Dembele would still be just 25 when Suarez is 35 and most likely not doing the Luis Suarez things that he is doing unless he's been taking some Artif Adaris lessons from Athletic Bilbao, of course, who's now 37 and somehow still doing what he's doing. But I think, as again, Adaris is, is an anomaly in what is a normal aging human being. Luis Suarez most likely is going to decline 
in the same way that Dembele is going to be hitting his prime. So I, I wouldn't worry too much about Dembele. That's, if anything, giving him even more time and space and patience to develop as being just a, a supporting cast member if Griezmann were to enter the club. Meanwhile, Paco Alcacer, I think, would be completely outside the club. Francesca, does that make sense in terms of what this would mean in terms just of sheer playing time without before we even break down any stats? It does. It does. I think it's all about whether the quality that Griezmann will bring would actually improve the squad. And the answer has to be yes. I mean, this is a player that has been nominated for the Ballon d'Or in 20, several times. In 2016, he finished in third place. He was worth 30 million euros from his transfer from Real Sociedad to Atletico in 2014. He was a French international at youth level the whole way through. I mean, under-19s, under-20s, under-21s. He won the 2010 UEFA European Under-19 Championship for France. He was the top scorer for France senior, um, the senior team. In the UEFA 2016, he was player of the tournament and they only lost the final to Portugal. I still don't quite understand how they lost that final. But that's, that's what it is. So we're talking about a player that is world-class. You know, he's got huge amount of experience in La Liga. I mean, ultimately, he's been playing in La Liga since he was, what, 17, 18 years old. Um, he started at the bottom in terms of Real Sociedad being a sub, went through his youth team all the way through, and he's been shining for Atletico for consistently, I would say, the last four years. Um, fair enough, at the beginning of this season, he was a little bit slow, but he seems to have picked up the place, particularly now Diego Costa is playing alongside him. So undoubtedly, we're talking about a player that can improve any team in the world, which is why Manchester United particularly have been joined with him. But, you know, we can't forget that Pep Guardiola has actually been linked to his signing for many, many, I would say nearly a decade now, because when he was at Barca, um, Griezmann was linked to Barca back then and he's obviously still interested for Manchester City although it seems like Manchester United but definitely Barca have got the upper hand at this moment in time and Diego Costa really is an important part of that isn't he he's been paramount to how well Griezmann's been this season and that tells me that he is better playing alongside what is a traditional striker or in, in the Diego Costa and the Luis Suarez mold because I think the big question is going to be, well, how do you fit Griezmann and, and Suarez and Messi? And, well, not only is that for us to hypothesize, but that's for Valverde to figure out. And I'd have to say, again, that's his problem, but I think he's going to be able to figure out exactly where he fits. Because for me, we see Griezmann playing for Atletico Madrid under Diego Simeone, and he's asked to do entirely different things than Valverde would ask and Barcelona would ask of him. Through and through, I think he'd be able to play up top for Barcelona, he's a forward, that's what he is, and it's not that Messi would be pushed behind, but with how fluid Barcelona plays and with how good Griezmann is off the ball, with how good Suarez has been off the ball for Messi and how good Messi is, those three are going to be able to work in the middle of the field up top and just kind of change their positionings. We see Suarez go all along that front part of the field from basically from sideline to sideline, depending on where he needs to be and receive the passes from Messi, and just playing along that back line with those center backs, and Griezmann could do very much the same thing, and, and I'm really not worried about that getting too congested in the box for, for Barcelona. Maybe it would force them to whip a few more balls in, but the other thing I would add to that is that while you'd worry about Messi and the congestion there, I think the talent makes it all possible because of Griezmann's ability to just be a natural goal scorer as well, and we saw last weekend against Sevilla where he was 
phenomenal, also doing a lot of the little things. He's a pretty good passer on the ground. He can hold the ball up a bit, and he does make things difficult for defenders in the air, even at 5'9". And most importantly of all, Frances, he knows how to defend. If anything, that's what he's going to bring from Diego Simeone, Atletico Madrid. He knows as a forward how to press, how to defend, and half of football is defending. When you're not on offense, you're on defense, and he has had one of the best educations in the world for that kind of quality, and I think no matter what, even if he doesn't score in 10 weeks as a forward, Barcelona have the quality, and he would fit in at Barcelona. Of course, and it would be one of those made-in-Simeone forwards, isn't it? I mean, the pressing, the relentlessness, the eagerness to win, the non-compromising, the fact that you know you need to be aggressive the whole time all of those qualities come for pretty much every player you ever get from Atletico Madrid for any team and because they got the Simeone trademark stamped stamp on them now in terms of um, goals which you said obviously having Griezmann as a striker would be great 192 appearances for Atletico in three and a half seasons and that's 99 goals which the one he scored today that's that's 100 um, this season, 33 appearances, 17 goals. Playing for France, 49 international caps, 19 goals. So this is someone who really knows his stuff. This is someone who really can convert. This is someone that would always be a danger for rivals to defend against. Now, in terms of what you mentioned um, about Suarez's mobility, um, I think we need to sort of rewind a little bit. We are not going to get someone like Messi ever again. We're not going to get someone like Puyol or Xavi or even Luis Suarez ever again. Every player is different and everyone can add different shades to the game. Now, I think what the board and the sporting director is trying to do at Barca is trying to get new players that can reinvigorate the squad, but not necessarily having clones. I mean, bringing Dembele, as you mentioned, is a long-term investment. Um, He's not like Neymar. He can add something different. For example, defensively, you could argue that he's because of what he's shown at Borussia Dortmund, he can be stronger than Neymar ever was. Moving forward, he may not be as skilled. But then again, this is a player that can do a job. In terms of Griezmann, it's not the same difference, but it's sort of the same philosophy. So someone who can play in that position and wouldn't be too different in terms of understanding of the game, but then Griezmann is not as physical as um, Luis Suarez is, but maybe he's more committed to defending when he's dispossessed. Um, in front of goal, we've said they're both proven proven strikers and they're lethal when it comes to finishing. But they do that in different ways. In terms of association, obviously, if Griezmann goes to Barcelona in the summer, which the Catalan press are sort of given as a, as a given, then he will be able to connect with Messi while Messi is still at his peak. And obviously, he's going to be at his more generous uh, the, 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 the older he becomes. So... All of these variations we need to take into account, but I think that Griezmann, because of his quality, because of his game, and because of the ability to combine with people around him and find those spaces, even, you know, dribble um, when he's facing people one-on-one, he can do, but I think his greatest skill is to go behind people's back and generate the spaces because of his runs. And um, being accompanied by Diego Costa is great, and no disrespect meant to Atletico, but when you've got someone like Coutinho, Iniesta, Messi, arguably you could have him playing with Suarez as well. Dembele is a completely different ballgame, so I think he would be a great addition to Barcelona. And you would also not expect that Kule should be afraid about his passing. You look at this season, his passing 79.7% overall, and to compare his Liga passing to Luis Suarez, he's at 784 
and the Uruguayan at 75.8. So he is completing almost 3% more passes than Luis Suarez in the league this season. Meanwhile, he wins one aerial duel per match, while Suarez only wins 0.3. And so we think of Luis Suarez as this powerful monster in the air that gives defenders a hard time. Well, Antoine Griezmann is even better. And yes, that does have to do with the way that Atletico Madrid play. He has to win those kind of area duels. And he's also put in situations to win more of those, while Barcelona, of course, usually likes to bring the ball down on the ground as soon as they possibly can. They don't like to ping it around in the air as Atletico Madrid tries to do. For me, one of the most impressive stats this season for him, again, not to harp on the defensive side of the ball again, but he averages 1.4 tackles per game, which actually ties him with one of our, we'll say, defensive midfielders and even Rakitic. Rakitic also at 1.4 tackles per game, and that is not because... Rakitic is utter rubbish on the defensive side of the ball. No, Rakitic is very good, one of the best defensive midfielders and center midfielders in the Liga this season. But that's just to say that Griezmann is put in so many situations where he has to successfully get in and tackle the ball away from opposition. And he does that at a rate as good as our Croatian midfielder. And that's another one of those things that you don't necessarily pick up on as you're watching him. So right after you told me, Frances, that we were going to have our La Gran Pagutha about Griezmann, I actually went back and watched the entire match against Sevilla. I've already watched now the first half of Leganes, the two goals. I've got to watch the second half. But his two goals in the first half came because of his defending, because he was working hard, and the team was able to get a turnover, and how quickly he's able to just snipe in there like a viper. He turns around on the ball, gets possession back in a hurry, and he does have... Such a good ability to work the ball in tight spaces. And the way Barcelona works now, I I don't know. I'm kind of going over the course of the Valverde season and saying that Barcelona DNA, what are we molding that down to under Valverde? Is it just being able to operate in tight spaces? Is it being able to flow the ball and to take that quick pause and to dictate play and to utilize possession in the way it is? I'm not exactly sure what that is, but I think Griezmann possesses the qualities that are necessary in Valverde's Barcelona. Yeah, and I think everything that you just mentioned adds to the team. And let's it's sort of what we're saying throughout the whole of our podcasting career here, uh, definitely in the last two, three weeks, everyone in the Barca squad should be able to, to start the games and should be able to make a difference. Now, we're not going to have um, the team challenging for the treble just with 13 players. You've got, say, your ideal eleven. You can argue Paulinho should be in there, and that's what we said in our previous podcast, which I strongly recommend um, you go back and listen to if you haven't. So say Paulinho's in the starting eleven, then you've got Coutinho, Dembélé, and if Griezmann joins us, you've got Griezmann as a three bench players. Right now, if Griezmann was with us now, every team in the world would love to have a bench like that. And say, you know, you can argue, okay, but they would eventually become starters, then you're going to have either Iniesta or Rakitic, or Paulinho, or players of that caliber being being subbed. So if you've got 16, 17 different players who can make the starting 11, then you know that you have got an advantage. Now, um, we're not going to argue, I think, because of what we said so far, I don't think we're going to argue the fact that Griezmann is a great player. I think everyone has to agree, uh, based on the evidence and, and his successful career so far, that he is a great player. Now, whether he fits at Barca... It's a different story. 
and it really just depends on who the manager is. Now let's assume that Valverde stays next season, which you know I think is is quite as it's pretty much a certainty at this moment in time, based on the fact that he's taking us to the best La Liga start ever, surpassing Tito Villanova and Pep Guardiola. So assuming Valverde stays, uh, we've got traditionally we're going to have a 4-4-2 if experience is anything to go by. Now Griezmann could play in various positions in there. He could be the second striker alongside Messi. He could be the second striker alongside Suarez even. Uh, and that would cause Messi to drop into midfield a little bit, sort of doing that Paulinho central position. That could be Messi. And uh, that's what Paulinho was doing at the beginning of the season. Now, in the last same month, we've seen Paulinho, sometimes Gomez, sometimes Vidal, being uh, normally a right interior alongside Rakitic, who's been more centered. Now, you could also place Griezmann in there, particularly given the fact that he's got his defensive skills made in Simeone, as we spoke about earlier. Now, I'm already hearing a listener shouting, but right, if you go Griezmann, where does Dembele play? Well, Dembele will have to earn his spot, you know, the same way that Griezmann will have to earn it, the same way Coutinho has to basically dethrone Iniesta in order to get a starting point. And that is precisely... I think the, the key here, the more quality players you've got in the squad, the more competition for places, the best your team is going to be. And in modern football, if you want to challenge for every title, which, you know, it is Barca's target every single year, then you need to have more than 11 starters and having Griezmann in that mix would only add. Whether he's a starting 11 player or not remains to be seen. And to be honest, he'll have to earn it on the pitch definitely during training, but also when trusted to start or even coming as subs during games. And as we've seen for Barcelona this season, at least, and even for every team in every season, injuries do play a factor and not every player on the roster at the beginning of preseason is going to be completely healthy all year long. So you have to have that quantity quality in depth when players do go down, as Dembele has been for so much of this season. Well, I think we've hit on the Antoine Griezmann enough, and if he is to come Barcelona, of course, it'll be for next season, and before that, we'll have to watch him in the World Cup with France, if he's able to stay healthy as well with Atletico Madrid, and if Barcelona, the again, looking at it in terms of money, if they're able to finish this contract and keep him below $100 million, I think that is a fantastic piece of business for a player that could potentially light up the world stage at the World Cup, and if anything, that would make his market value skyrocket. So to figure things out and get things kind of set up to go, as Bayern Munich often do, if they can figure out their business and basically have things agreed upon prior to the World Cup happening and Griezmann's market and star value potentially going up again, that would be good news. Absolutely. And also with that, I think if we can manage to sell Andre Gomez and Denis Suarez, and if we got Griezmann, we don't really need Paco Alcácer. Those are three players that, if sold for the right amount of money, could bring you, I would say, between 50 and 60 million euros back. So investing 100 million, which is the rumored price at this moment in time for Griezmann, it wouldn't cost us the earth, particularly knowing the fact that we've got 60 million coming in. So I would say it would be a good deal from the sporting sense because of the addition of quality, but also from the economical sense because it would basically alleviate three wages. And I don't know if you listen to the podcast are aware of this, but Paco Alcácer is a very highly paid player that actually doesn't really play very much. I mean, I think that he can add to the team, but if we had Griezmann, 
then clearly he has to make way. And, you know, we've got Denis Suarez currently experiencing an X-Files, never really even making the bench, um, which is bizarre, to be honest. He hasn't proven very much, but it is weird that he doesn't make it like that. And Andre Gomes, um, he's just not really adding much whenever he's trusted and that's why he's not trusted very often and you know looking ahead at the next season you've got Alanya coming up for free because he's ours and if Arnaiz can recover from his injuries that's two players that can sort of bump up the numbers and be trusted whenever it's needed but I think if we got Griezmann then a lot of others need to make way. And if any other rumors are to be believed then Arthur is the other big player earmarked for it this summer. Well that's enough for me in La Grande Pagunta as Frances. I'm actually going to hand you over to Oenya Carali, where the two of you are going to take on the responsibility of our listener questions in La Ronda this week as I've got somewhere to go. I'm going to head out, but I'll be back for the end of the show as we wrap things up on another edition of the Barcelona podcast. Frances and Oenya, take it away. So thank you, Dan. I hope that you enjoy whatever you're going to do. This is weird. You're leaving halfway through the podcast. Uh, but I am joined by the brilliant Eugenia Caroli. Eugenia, how are you today? Hi, guys. How are you? Well, Dan, I'm missing you already. But uh, how am I? Um, I don't know. I'm a little bit concerned about the match that we just saw against Las Palmas. But I think it's going to be a good kick in the butt for that very, very tough match that we have on Camp, at Camp No on Sunday against Atletico de Madrid. Absolutely. It was not ideal. Definitely the result was not what we expected. And um, there were different reasons for it. But um, Eugenia, what did you think of the game first? Well, uh, regardless of everything that you know, people talk about on social media as usual, the referee, the hand, Chichi Sola's hand outside of the area, the penalty against Barca, it, considering it's also the first penalty that they that uh, Barca takes against in you know a long, long time. Uh, everything is, is just too much information, but the reality of the match is that. Barca did not play their best match. Uh, there were a lot of rotations on Valverde's side, which is completely logical. I'm not arguing that whatsoever because we need to have that first team 100% for for Sunday at Camp Nou. But overall, I just think they lacked the heart, you know, playing with the passion and the heart that usually characterizes the team. Of course, and I do agree with that. I think some of those decisions and some of those sort of lack of heartedness, if that's even an English word. Um, <laughs> I think it comes from the selection. Like, um, I was incredibly puzzled when I saw Luis Suarez first being called up for the game because, let's face it, in the previous one, he was desperately looking for that fifth yellow card so that he could actually miss the Las Palmas match. So I didn't quite get him sort of included in the in the game. But yeah. then even in the starting eleven, that was even more bizarre. Um, we've got a question from Matthew, Matthew Lusardi, who's one of our... A long-term listeners, he says, why play Suarez in that Las Palmas match? I know the obvious answer is because he's our striker and our best outright goal scorer, but having him on the pitch and unable to be his aggressive feisty self was a huge detriment, not understanding some of Valverde's rotation tactics. Um, what do you have to say about that, Eugenia? I think that it was uh, it was very strange. I don't I don't I don't have the the answer of why Valverde actually uh, started him today. But you could totally tell that Suarez was there, but he wasn't there. He was taking care of himself for that match on Sunday. And it was clear. He just was not there. He wasn't. He really wasn't. And um, 
I did tweet about this during the game, and um, my, my question was, how far Alcácer is away from him? He, he must be so much worse in training than Suárez can possibly be. Um, so Alcácer didn't even get a minute in this game. And, you know, I do understand that, obviously, Dembélé, Coutinho and Rakitic, who were the subs coming on, they could have actually unbalanced the game in our favour. The thing is, they just didn't in the end. But I really don't understand why Alcácer is not even getting a sniff lately, considering that when he has played this season, he's actually been quite decent and scored quite important goals. Yes, 100%. I totally agree with you on that. And I would much ha rather have Alcácer regardless of how he's training. I'd rather have him in the field giving 100% than have Suarez playing a game, but thinking about another game, which is not even happening in the next couple of days. It's, it's three days away from now and giving 25%. Of course. Um, we've got a question from Charlie, and I, I agree with you there. Um, we've got a question for Charlie, and he says, I question in Valverde's starting lineups, and I have been in, doing that in the past. But actually, we've been winning and getting by. And um, he says he's a big concerned about the way forward. Um, are you concerned, Eugenio? You know, uh, I think we spoke about this in a recent podcast as well. This is something that happens at every single year. The minute that we start having midweek matches, the minute that, you know, all the Champions League, uh, the round of 16 starts again, plus La Liga, players start having all like these one match after the other in the middle of the week, less rest time. They're more stressed. There, there's more media going on. There's more, more pressure. And it, it, it's, it's not the first time that this happens. So I totally agree with the fact that the rotations need to be made. I just, I'm not agreeing with the way they're being made because they're being made for the less important match, quote unquote. And, and, these less important matches where you put in the players that don't usually get the minutes, this is this is exactly where we've been losing all the points throughout the season. But then on the other hand, yes, we've been winning. And yes, we have a record this year of, uh, I, I even lost count now, of how many uh, matches in La Liga we have without losing a match. It's the longest uh, record in history. And that is a positive thing. But then when the, when the minutes and when the physical, um, you know, uh, tiredness starts adding up, then you need to have all those uh, sub players like uh, Bermaelen uh, and, you know, uh, Paco Alcácer, Alex Vidal, you need to have them with more rhythm, you know, to go in there and to actually be able to play a match that is not like their first match in I don't know how many months, you know, uh, together as a team. So you need to have a, a second team that is used to actually being on the field together in order to do ma to get get matches like this uh, to get the three points in matches like this whereas you can you, you bring in a team that hasn't really played together at all in the in the entire season and then you lose two very important points closing up the gap against Atletico de Madrid which is our next rival to only five points so but on the other hand I think this is a as I said before I think this is a good heads up for the team to actually get their game on and be able to to get those three points in 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 Camp Nou on Sunday. Of course, I agree with you pretty much in the sense that the non-regulars didn't really add too much against Las Palmas. I mean, I'm not one to pick on players individually, but obviously we are here to analyze the game. And um, I really think that the inclusion of Alej Vidal actually stopped a lot of things happening. Now, 
Vidal is a player that excelled in Sevilla and he was very effective there and uh, also in his previous club before then, which I believe was Almeria. And he was a right back. He was a right back that was zooming forward, obviously Dani Alves style, but you know, there's only one Dani Alves, isn't there? Um, yeah. But I do think that, you know, he had plenty of room ahead of him and he, he, he excelled at doing that. Now, when I saw the lineup today, I actually hoped that Valverde for once decided to put um, Alex Vidal as a right back because um, Semedo is injured, obviously, and he's going to be out for another four weeks at least, according to the medical staff. And we finally had Sergio Roberto in midfield, which, to be honest, I think everyone's crying out for him proving his worth in there and being given a chance because that's his natural space. Now, what happened today in the game is that Sergio Roberto couldn't zoom forward as usual because Alex Vidal was pretty much in a space of no one. He was trying to connect with, um, with the midfielders, um, Paulinho and obviously Busquets, but Sergio Roberto didn't have the gaps. And um, similarly, on the other side, on the other side of the flank, um, the absence of Jordi Alba really did affect us because, I mean, Digne can do a job. And as I've said throughout the season, um, it's good that he doesn't get injured every two, three minutes like Adriano used to do. But mm -hmm. he's finishing and what he adds pushing forward is nowhere near. So I think our fullbacks let us down today. And I don't think that's, in the Sergio Roberto case, that's necessarily his fault. I think it's just tactics moving forward. Yeah, overall, I agree with, with everything that you just said. But um, I do consider that this is not an individual player problem because I think we, we have very good players on both the first team and the, and the non-regular players. But I think it's the, the lack of them actually playing as a team. And I think this is the main reason that there was no team, that there was no compenetration whatsoever. And then you had the regulars actually playing... Um, you know, half gas because they know they have a more demanding quote-unquote match on Sunday. But then at the end of the day, you come into a demand, a more demanding match and you give your best and then you go against a team uh, that is, this, I don't know, second to last in the table, in the, in the standings right now, and you lose two very important points. And I, as I mentioned in the last podcast last week, Barca cannot afford to lose any more points. And, you know, let's see what happens on Sunday. But this is getting a little bit um, exciting. Let's, let's look at it on the bright side. It's, it's making La Liga be more exciting. <laughs> yeah, it is, it is more exciting. Although I'm no one that likes excitement when we've been so far ahead in the, in the table. I agree, but I, I, you have, we have to think on, on a positive way as well. And regardless, it's like Guillermo Moore just mentioned in the post-match interview that uh, Cholo Simeone is probably giving the speech like uh, to his players saying, if we win every other match, if we win every match from now till the end of the season, we can be La Liga champions because Barca is probably not going to win all the matches. But then again, that's the same speech that they're giving inside the, the club saying if we win all the matches from now to the end of the season then Barca is already it's already champion because any we're already anyways uh, five points ahead of the second place right yes yeah we are we let's are so stay, let's stay positive and uh, let's see it as a, a bad uh, step on the way but you know it's one point that is very important and it's still our record for, for a club that hasn't lost a single match in the entire season. That is true. That is true. I like your positivism. That, that's, that's awesome. It's good to have you here. 
Um, we've got a question from Eric. Actually, it's a double question. He says, what has gone wrong for Denis Suarez? And we've got two listener questions on that. And then he's asking, what do you think about the 4-4-2? Now, for Denis Suarez, to be honest, I think that when he's been given the chance this season, he didn't prove too much. And, and you know, I am someone who really wants to support Denis Suarez. I really believe that he was excellent playing for Villarreal before. And obviously he's, he's someone that has played for different clubs, so he's got that experience. Obviously he played for Manchester City growing up and uh, different clubs also in Spain. So I think that he's got the pedigree behind him so that he would excel given the chance. But actually when he has been given the chance, he hasn't done very much. And I think one of the things that sort of the factors that place against him is the fact that defensively he hasn't really been very strong and not just that I think he hasn't really shown that he truly cares about it and I think that's what's killing his his possibilities how do you see it Eugenia? Well I think that it's the same situation that happens to every other Barca player that is good enough to come play for Barca but if they don't prove themselves on the field week week after week then they're just not going to be, uh, you know, a, a starting 11 player in the first team. And that is exactly what has happened to him, what happened with De Olofeo in his time, what is happening to Alex Vidal now and Paco Alcácer, which, you know, we saw him as a, as a we've seen him as a very good um, sub uh, or, or replacement player for situations exactly like today. But then if you go on the field and, and you don't prove your worth, you're not. You're going to be warming up the bench, and I think that's exactly what has happened to Denis Suarez. I don't see him actually leveling up to the type of player and the quality of player that we're used to in order to be part of a team with players like Luis Suarez or Lionel Messi. Yep, I agree. Totally agree. I subscribe what you're saying, word by word. Now, Eric's second question or second part of the question says, "What do you think of the four-four-two?" Um, I'm really intrigued to see what you've got to say about that. The 4-4-2, is that the right formation for us? Okay, I actually think that Barca, uh, against, especially against Atletico de Madrid, that is a very offensive team, they would work better with a 4-3-3, balancing out the team throughout the field because Atletico is not only a very offensive team and they have a, a now Griezmann in one of his best moments of his career, they also have a very, very tough defense. So balancing the team out would make them a lot more stronger throughout the entire uh, field and especially to warn themselves and to be careful with the counterattack by Atletico de Madrid. What do you think? I, I, I sort of agree with you as well. I think I'm in two minds, really, because obviously the 4-4-2 has been Valverde's preferred formation this year and, and it really is the reason why we've gotten beaten for so many games and uh, obviously breaking the record. So I think that Valverde, having heard all of his press conferences this season, I think that he's very likely to go against Atletico with a 4-4-2 because it was taking us here. And um, he was very clear in his previous press conference that he said, I'm going to trust the players that took us here and I'm going to trust the ways that took us here. And basically, that I think that's the 4-4-2. Now, personally, I think regular listeners know that I am Cruyff, Guardiola through and through. Yeah. I, I think that a 4-3-3 for me is the right way to play. Obviously, definitely when you're playing in the Camp Nou as well, you have to open up wide. I mean, what am I going to say? Like, I grew up uh, going to the Camp Nou watching your friend Risto Stoichkov playing with Romario and widening up the pitch. And I think that is the way to play, you know. And uh, I really do see 
um, Dembele when he's confident and you know he's really not there yet but I'm not going to lose hope I think he's got a lot of potential I see Dembele sort of playing as wide as can be even touching the the line itself and widening the pitch that way Messi drifting to wherever he needs to drift and for me Luis Suarez is, is a fantastic striker so for me those have to be the four four three three so the three up front um, undoubtedly now I don't think that's what um, Valverde is going to do but for me, that is the right way to play. I think, and I think especially that he should be able to adapt and the team should be able to adapt depending on your rival. And, and that is something that I would really like to see Valverde doing. Maybe not this season, that it's his first season. Maybe he doesn't want to risk to, to go and do something, uh, considering that the 4-4-2 has worked for him so far. Um, but I, I really would like to see him in upcoming seasons trying different lineups. So, you know, the four, four, play with the 4-4-2 and the 4-3-3, depending on the rival, and be able to have the team work on both lineups. Yep, I agree. I think that would be great. And um, for me, that would be perfection. You know, a team that can adapt to whatever situation is needed and toy around with different different formations. I think the 4-2-3-1 has a place as well, but um, yeah. I would see that sort of being more of a resource and more of a system away from the Camp Nou that at home. Now we've got a really good question, really simple question from Unclub FCV, which is Forza Barca on Twitter. He says, who should be in the lineup this Sunday? Eugenia, what do you think? I think we need our star players. I think I would totally go with it's a very similar lineup against Chelsea, but I would definitely have Coutinho in the starting eleven this Sunday. We don't have one thing called sort of the La Liga final, but if there was such thing, this is this weekend, this is this Sunday, it's coming up, and we have to go out biting, um, not literally, obviously, but we have to come out ready to, as you said, ready to make an impact. Um, the lineup for me would be Testegro. Don't give Suarez any biting ideas, please. No, no, that, that's why I rephrased it. That's why I rephrased it. So uh, for me, the lineup, you've got Testegro on goal. Um, Pique, I am delighted he rested against Las Palmas. And yeah, I, I, I really, he really needed it, huh? He did need it. He did need it. And also, I think it's good for Fermalen as well to be trusted in, in there. Um, but obviously, we've got Diego Costa to contend with. And uh, I think the strength... Well, yes. So, um, Diego, Diego Costa um, is going to be sort of fighting throughout the game against our centre-back. So, I think having Umtiti and having um, Piquet will be great. Now, as a right-back, I see, because of Semedos' injury, I see Sergio Roberto, um, Jordi Alba on the left. And then I would say... Mm -hmm. Busquets in the middle, I would mm -hmm. say on the right, because I want Iniesta to play on the left, so I would mm -hmm. play um, Coutinho on the right. I know mm -hmm. that is not, not his ideal position, but I would rather have him than, say, Paulinho or Andrea Gomes. No, um, I definitely want to see Coutinho on that match. Yeah, definitely, as, as you said. And then um, my, my last one in the middle is Rakitic, um, to add some okay, consistency yeah. in there. But um, because you've got Rakitic and Busquets, then Coutinho and even Iniesta can drift towards the middle and open up. But obviously knowing that Alba and Roberto are going to be overlapping the whole time. And uh, up front, I think it's going to be, and it has to be Messi and Suarez. But um, this is not to say that I want a 4-4-2. I think Coutinho and even Iniesta at times can be that third and even fourth forward moving forward. But also the, the right back. So basically a very offensive lineup, which is sort of hidden 
in a 4-4-2. And with that, that does it for another edition of the Barcelona Podcast, bringing the hottest breaking stories from the camp. No, we went over Griezmann and plenty of listener questions today. And again, thanks so much for tuning in with myself, Frances, and Yuenya, bringing you the hottest breaking stories from the camp. No. Until next time, we'll talk to you soon in Forza Barca. Bona nit. Forza. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.